morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church on this chilly Sunday to our 11 o'clock service of worship. It's a joy to be with you all this morning. A special welcome if you're joining us via WRR or our live stream. We're glad that you're tuning in to be with us. If you are here in the sanctuary, we invite you to locate the friendship pads on the ends of the pews. And do please note your attendance there. That's a way in which we get to know one another's name and build the bonds of this community. Additionally, if you're visiting with us today, we invite you to find the connection cards that are in your pews. Those are an opportunity for you to give us a little bit more information about yourself so that we can reach out to you and give you relevant information about the ministry and mission of our congregation. If you are visiting, we invite you to to join us in the atrium after the service where someone will uh, chat with you a little bit about what we do here at Preston Hollow and give you a free gift. So please do join us out there. On the back of those connections cards, you'll also find an opportunity uh, to um, fill out a prayer request. So if you have a joy or a concern in your life this week that you'd like to share with your pastors and the leadership of Preston Hollow, you can fill out one of those prayer cards and drop that into the offering plate later in the service. Friends, we're so glad you're joining us today at Preston Hollow. In many ways, this has been a normal week here, but that means that this has been a holy week. For we know that God finds us in those ordinary moments and does something extraordinary. So we want to tell you that this week, as a normal week, we've had hundreds of students that have grown and learned in our day school um, on the north side of the building. We kicked off a new season of our pastor's Bible study with 10 new members in the youth house. On Wednesday evening, the Unity Choir of Dallas filled our choir room with song and joyful noise. The youth kicked off their spring semester with a potluck last Sunday night, and we had to pull out more chairs because there were so many folks gathered. Many of our children and their parents served yesterday in our community, helping to pack meals for hungry people in this cold weather. And so you can see in many ways this was just a normal week, and yet we know that God finds us in the ordinary things and makes them extraordinary. So we join together in worship to start this new week together because we know that we are a community that gathers ordinarily, and yet we expect that God will show up. So let us worship good and holy God. call to worship. When we come to worship, we bring the joys of life and cherish memories. When we come to worship, we bring big questions and significant fears. When we come to worship, we bring all of ourselves. With all that we bring and all that we are, let us worship God.
worship, we bring all of ourselves, including our mistakes, our regrets, and the ways in which we have fallen short. In confession, we collectively name our shortcomings, trusting that God will forgive us and give us new opportunities to do good in the world. Let us join together in prayer of confession printed in the bulletin. We have heard it said, God helps those who help themselves. God, we confess that we often believe this is half true. We confess that we fail to put up our full trust in you. We confess that we pass judgment upon those who we believe are not helping themselves. Forgive us, merciful God. Remind us Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. We trust that God's forgiveness is a constant attitude, extended to us in every moment of our lives. So friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. As we prepare to hear scripture read aloud, please join me in prayer. Holy Spirit, as we prepare to dwell within your holy word, open our ears, for we long to hear a word of hope. Open our minds, for we seek to understand. Open our hearts, for we want to be transformed. Amen. Last week, we began a new sermon series entitled, A Googled Faith, when the answers we've been fed don't add up. And that series uh, was birthed at a Starbucks. I was uh, sitting there on a Monday morning. I was uh, reading uh, the text that I was going to be preaching for the week when I noticed two young adult women sitting next to me, reading out of their Bibles, talking about faith. As a Presbyterian minister, I began to get the shakes because I just wanted to jump into their conversation. <laughs> They never invited me to talk with them, but they were wrestling with some of the deepest questions that life asks of us. They're asking uh, questions of deep, deep faith around what life can sometimes do to us. And when they uh, couldn't arrive at an answer in the text, they would pull out, pull out their phone, they would Google their question, and they're the other end of the Google response would always lead them deeper. They were asking questions like, does everything happen for a reason? Does God really help those who help themselves? Is every word in the Bible literally true? Over the next uh, five weeks as a community of faith, we're going to explore those questions together because the reality is they're not alone. We all ask those questions of our lives and of the world even ask those questions of our faith. And so today, the question that is before us is, does God really help those who help themselves? 
And we're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, to the second chapter. We're going to pick up at verse 13 and read through 17. Jesus uh, has already started his earthly ministry. He's been out healing, and now he's going to sit down and have supper with Levi, who's a tax collector. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day, for I believe this word can bring comfort and hope and truth, that it might just change our lives. Jesus went out beside the lake again. The whole crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he continued along, he saw Levi, Alphaeus' son, sitting at a kiosk for collecting taxes. Jesus said to him, follow me. Levi got up and followed him. Jesus sat down to eat at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. Indeed, many of them had become his followers. When some of the legal experts from among the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why? Why is he eating with sinners? Why is he eating with tax collectors? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. But sick people do, for I have come not to save the righteous, but the sinners. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. Remind us that you hover in this very sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation. Remind us, O God, that you hover here to create afresh and anew this very day to bring a relevant word from your ancient word to us. Speak speak to us of eternal things, O God, that our lives and our world would be transformed. Remind us that you hover here, O God, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I had a professor several years ago In every lecture, right before an exam, she would end class this way. She would say, we have an exam coming up. You can't just say your prayers and expect to do well. I'll save you the trouble. Your prayers have already been answered. Study. (laughs) Sometimes uh, when we think God helps those who help themselves, we think, We pray, and then we got to do our part, right? That's why I spent most of my week preparing this sermon. It's not that uh, the prayer that Elise just prayed for us, it's not that I I didn't think that it was a valid prayer. It wasn't that I didn't think that I would be guided by the Holy Spirit and that I would waltz up into this pulpit and sort of give you a message that would be succinct and timely, But it's because I believe that through prayer and work and wrestling, that God would speak through these words. Does God really help those who help themselves? If we sort of stay on the surface of that question, we can sort of arrive at, yes, we can pray, but then we have to do our part. But what I would like for us to do this morning is sort of get down to the next layer of that question. Because that question often comes up and arrives in our lives and comes across our lips when we're faced with situations like these. It was an ordinary Tuesday afternoon. I was standing at my desk many years ago. I was hammering through emails, minding my own business, when I and the entire office staff were startled by someone shouting from down the hall. There was a woman screaming. And she happened to be screaming my name. Matthew! 
Matthew, Pastor Matthew, where are you? This wasn't what you would call a normal Tuesday in the orderly office of a Presbyterian church. So some folks began to poke their heads out of their offices. Others were scared and shut their offices and closed the blinds. I ran out of my office because it was my name that was being yelled after all. And there she was, Shirley. Shirley was hobbling down the hall, yelling my name. Bandages were still on her right leg, wrapped around her calf. She had the hospital bands still on her left wrist. She was wearing clothes that needed a really, really, really good wash. It had been six weeks since Shirley had last seen me. It had been six weeks since Shirley had stopped by to ask me for some help with groceries. Shirley was what you would call a a regular. Every six weeks, like clockwork, Shirley would show up. She would ask for assistance, and Shirley knew the drill. She knew the protocol. Shirley was supposed to go to the front desk. She was supposed to talk to Miss Nancy. Miss Nancy would pick up her phone and call me, and I would come down, and I would talk and visit with Shirley. I would offer her some assistance, and Shirley would always pray for me. But for whatever reason, on that ordinary Tuesday afternoon, Shirley did not follow protocol. She went right by Miss Nancy's desk, right up the stairwell, and came screaming down the office. After I offered Shirley some assistance, grocery store gift cards after Shirley prayed for me Shirley left that afternoon uh, folks started to come by my office and they would knock hey Matthew you you have a minute they would ask questions like this "Um, do you remember that woman who was here screaming earlier today and I said yeah I remember her (laughs) they would say Do we help her every time she comes here? Hey, Matthew, you got a minute? I just got a quick question about the the lady that was here earlier. How often does she come here? The church administrator knocked on my office. Matthew, after today's uh, event, uh, do you think that we should look into security protocols here at the church? Doesn't God help those who help themselves, Matthew? We've been helping Shirley forever. I bet it wasn't 10 days that went by. I was standing right at that desk uh, hammering through emails one afternoon. Email came right in my inbox. It's from a guy I knew at the church. We, uh, we had crossed paths. He, he asked if uh, he could make an appointment and come see me. And I said, sure. So the day arrived when we were supposed to have an appointment. And he did. He went right down to Miss Nancy. He checked in. Miss Nancy called me. I came down the stairwell. He said, uh, hey, Matthew, I, I just, I'm so grateful to have some time today. Can we find a, a, a spot just in a corner that we can talk for a minute? I said, absolutely, man. Found a little nook right around the corner from the front desk of the church. And he said, listen, I, I hate to bother you. I hate to even ask this. I'm not real sure how to ask it. Uh, I I don't know if you know, but I lost my job three months ago. Things have gotten really tight at home. I've gone over to the kids' school, and and the headmaster's been great. They're going to allow us to scholarship the kids. The kids can stay in the school that they're going to. But i got to tell you, just between you and me, I don't know how to say this. mortgage is coming in the mail next week and I don't, I don't have the funds for it. I didn't know if there was, a, if there was a, a fund here at the church. I didn't know if there's any way that you could help me out. I don't want to be a bother. But if there's any way that you could help me just make a, a mortgage payment or two and if you have do we do, we still do those grocery gift cards? Man, it'd really help me out if I could get one of those. I said, you know, we can help you, absolutely. We prayed together. He went out, got in his car. 
And no one stopped by my office that afternoon. No one even knew he had been there. No one came and knocked to ask me questions. They didn't know. Does God really help those who help themselves? That's the question that we turn to when we're faced with situations like that, is it not? I mean, we want to do good. We want to help folks. We want to be good stewards. We want to make sure that the money that we give has the greatest reach. We rely on the words that we have been taught, the words that we've turned to a thousand times. God helps those who help themselves. But I want us to explore this morning. Does God really help those who help themselves? You know, the, the vast majority of Americans believe that this is true. Over 80% of Americans, in a recent Barnup poll, have said that God helps those who help themselves is their favorite Bible verse in the entire Bible. <laughs> 75% of American teenagers... 75% of American teenagers believe that God helps those who help themselves is the greatest message of the entire Bible. Which is interesting when you think about it. And it presents a bit of a problem. It's a, it's a small problem, a tiny one really. That verse is not in the Bible. tiny problem. And here's the thing, if 80% of American Christians identify that this is their favorite verse in the entire Bible, some of us may have walked into the sanctuary this morning believing that that was our favorite verse too, and I don't want us to pick on them. It's not fair. But I do think that we got to get to the root of what this means. If this verse is not in the Bible, then where did it come from? And how have we, as a majority of Americans, identified it back to Holy Scripture? Do you know that this statement, God helps those who help the, helps themselves, can be traced back to the Greek philosophers? But it was cemented in our uh, American vocabulary when Benjamin Franklin included it in his Poor Richard's Almanac. It's cemented that that would be a statement that would be passed on to the generations. I mean, it does sort of speak to our Protestant work ethic, doesn't it? Say your prayers, trust your guts, and pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps. You can pray for the exam, but I'll tell you the answer to your prayers. Study. That statement speaks to us, except while that may feel right to us as Americans, it's not in the Bible. In fact, our passage that I just read for today, Jesus has something quite different to say. Jesus, right before the passage that I read this morning, has been healing the sick. He's been healing the blind. He literally has gone out to those on the farthest margins, and he's healing those with leprosy. Jesus has been helping and healing those who quite literally cannot help themselves. And then Jesus arrives at the home of Levi, who's a tax collector. Jesus goes from helping those who cannot help themselves to showing up at a tax collector's house. Tax collectors were the last people in the world who would ever need help. I mean, what does Jesus have to offer Levi? I mean, Levi is self-sufficient. He's a person of immense means. He has the right job. He has the right family. Levi is the one that people come to to ask for help. Surely Levi doesn't need help. Levi's a tax collector. But we know, don't we? All of us know that things are never as they appear. They're not always how they appear. I've come to learn that that's true for us. No matter where we live, no matter how much money we do or do not make, no matter where our kids go to school or where we go on vacation, I've come to learn that we can never imagine what other people are carrying right there below the surface of what we see. 
We can never imagine what people are carrying, what burden or grief or pain or story that people carry around like a a stone with them everywhere they go, every day of their lives. We can only see, we can only see what we want to see. We sometimes see what we want to see. I mean, it happens to all of us. I mean, think about the guy who's down over at Park and Central. You know the guy, he's out there holding the sign every single day. I don't know about you, but man, I can spend about 15 seconds at that stoplight and I can make up his entire life story. I can come up with his entire life story about how he got to where he is holding that sign. And you know what? I never even rolled down the window to ask him if it's true. It happens to all of us, doesn't it? Does that happen? Does that ever happen to you? You wonder, right? If if that guy can hold that sign all day, every day, maybe he can hold a broom. Then he wouldn't have to be there holding that sign. Oh, it happens to all of us. We can see what we want to see. If I go in the parking lot of North Park Mall, I go right into Nordstrom's. I want to go in and buy something. The person in front of me in the line is beautiful. I mean beautiful. And they must have been really successful because they got a pile of stuff right there at the Nordstrom's checkout line. And I think, man, they're doing everything right. Their life is perfect. I bet their kids are just as beautiful as they are. They must be doing all right if they can come in here and one day buy all that stuff. And like that. Begin judging my life against their life. I've never even met them. Things are not always as they appear. There's always more going on below the surface. That's why the Pharisees take one look at Jesus having supper with Levi, and they ask the question, why would he be having dinner with him? Levi? Levi's a tax collector. Levi is the least deserving person of God's mercy. Levi is beyond the limits of God's love. Why would Jesus be with Levi? Why would Jesus be with a tax collector? What in the world does a tax collector need? And Jesus says, because... It's not the healthy that are in need of a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call the righteous. I've come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Levi, a self-sufficient tax collector, is not beyond the help of God. Surely. Surely, remember her who was screaming? She struggles with mental illness, and she's lived on the margins of society for as long as she's ever lived. And she was not beyond the help of God. That dad, that dad who wanted to email me and set up a place just quiet to talk, the one who emailed me because he couldn't quite make ends meet for his family, he was not beyond the help of God. For my friends, we know this to be true about our lives. We will go through seasons and situations in our lives where we will all recognize that we are in need of help that we can't provide for ourselves. Help that we can't achieve or earn or manufacture. And do you know what we call receiving help when we are absolutely helpless? Grace. When we receive help, when we are absolutely helpless, that is what grace is. I'm reminded of the story, the guy who was walking down the street many years ago, he wasn't paying attention to where he was going. And he walked right into a hole, and he hit the bottom of the hole, and he got in there, and he looked around, and he goes, man, these walls are really steep. There's no way that I can climb out of this thing. He's in the bottom of this hole, and a doctor walks by. And the guy yells up, and he says, hey, doc, I'm stuck down in this hole. Can you help me out? And the doc stops, and he writes him a prescription, and he drops it in the hole, and the doctor keeps walking. just so my doctors won't think that I'm picking on them, a priest goes walking down the street. (laughs) 
Guy's in the bottom of the hole. He can't get out. And he says, hey, Father, I'm stuck down in the bottom of this hole. Can you help me out? The priest stops, writes him a really beautiful prayer, drops it right in the hole, and keeps on walking. The guy's buddy is walking down the street. And the guy in the bottom of the hole says, hey, Joe, it's me. I'm stuck down in the bottom of the hole. And before he knows it, Joe jumps into the hole with him. And the guy says, are you an idiot? That is the dumbest thing that you could have ever done because now we're both stuck down in this hole. How are we going to get out? And Joe says, oh, don't worry, man. I've been in this hole before. I know the way out. When you are absolutely helpless and you receive the help that you most need, that's grace. And my dear friend, which one of us has never been down stuck in a hole and needed some help? And someone has jumped in that hole and shown us the way out. That's not just the good news of the gospel. That is the greatest news that we could ever hear. That's the great news of the gospel. That we believe in a God who helps those who cannot, who cannot help themselves. A God who took on flesh in the life of Jesus to jump into the very holes of our lives and to show us a way out. A God who jumps down in the holes of our life, down in the holes of our pain, in the holes of our addiction, in the holes of our loss into the holes of our loneliness and our sin and our depression and our pain and our infidelity and our poverty. That's where God jumps in to show us a way out, a way of new life that we could never imagine when we're in that hole. Does God help those who help themselves? Not the right question, better question. Does God help those who cannot help themselves? To that question I say yes. For in that answer, in that answer are all the laws and all the prophets in Christ Jesus himself. Thanks be to God for a God like that. Amen. Friends, having heard the word read and proclaim, I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and affirm what it is that we believe by saying the affirmation of faith found in your bulletin. Together, we testify that God is faithful. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. The Lord still brings from oppressed and uprooted peoples riches of insight and daring visions that can judge and bless the world. We have confidence in God's coming kingdom, even in the darkest times. You may be seated. We are a community that prays with and for one another, and so I would remind you that after the service, you can exit through the transept and find care letters there for folks in our community who are experiencing joys and concerns. You're invited to sign those letters as a sign that you are in prayer with and for them. This day, we lift up a few prayers, uh, a prayer of healing for Harold Lucky, who is currently hospitalized with the flu. Also, we remember in prayer the family of Bob Wright, who passed away this week, particularly his wife Mary and his children Mike and Stacy. His service will be Wednesday, January 30th at 11 a.m. here in the sanctuary. We also celebrate with Aaron and Lyle Samaric on the birth of their twin girls, Layla and Liza. And we celebrate that uh, their other girls have become big sisters, Lily and Lucy. Friends, let us pray together. 
Creator God, it was you who knitted this tapestry of creation. You who formed each of us in our mother's womb. You who gathered us into the body of Christ. You are the one who brings us into community, the one who weaves us into life together. So we give you thanks for the many joys of being together, for gatherings around tables and fireplaces, for chances to sing and share in this holy space, for time to simply be with the ones we love. When life is hard, we give thanks, God, that you are the one who invites us to lay our burdens down. You are our help and our refuge. And so we come to you in prayer, bringing our burdens and seeking peace. We bring the burden of stress and anxiety as our workloads increase and our time for rest decreases. We bring the burden of fear as we watch the world grow more and more hateful. We bring the burden of grief as we struggle to put our lives back together after losing loved ones or experiencing trauma. We bring the burdens of illness, scary diagnoses, of addictions, and of difficult decisions. We bring the burden of transitions in our careers, in our relationships. We bring all of our burdens, and we lay them before you, and we ask that you would surround us with peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding, peace that reminds us that we are loved and claimed, peace that relieves us of our worries, peace that allows us to move forward unhindered by the weight of our burdens. Send us your peace. All of these things we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Friends, when we say that we believe that all belong to God, we are recognizing the inherent value and worth of every person earth. And so we are living into our vision this month. We are continuing to do so as we allocate the offerings that we receive from our Every Dollar Counts offering, the $1 bills and coins that are received each Sunday uh, in our offering. Those are allocated to Promise House, which provides housing, crisis assistance, and programming for youth in need of support, safety, and stability. Giving is a means by which we make God's love tangible in the world, so let us give generously to a God who has been most generous to us. The ushers will now receive our morning offering.
Generous God, we give you thanks for all that you have given us. Accept these offerings as a sign of our gratitude and love. Use these gifts to create new life in our community, our city, and our world. Amen. You may be seated, and at this time, I'd like to invite our new members forward to join me here at the foot of the chancel steps. Friends, you will want to know that we had a meaningful covenant service this morning where these individuals were received into membership by the session, and now we have the great privilege of introducing them to you here this morning. And so I call your attention to the insert that you'll find in your bulletin, and I will introduce, and as I name you all, if you will please step forward so that folks can put names and faces together, that would be great. Uh, our first uh, folks, the first folks are joining in absentia this morning, Ryan, Nikki, and Lily Anthony. Nikki and Ryan Anthony have two children, Lily 17, who is being received today in absentia, and Rowan 13. Ryan is the principal trumpet at the of the Dallas Symphony Orchestra and certainly no stranger to the Preston Hollow community. Trisha Carroll. Trisha sings in the Sanctuary Choir and has spent time in Guatemala on mission trips. Trisha has a five-year-old granddaughter and loves how PHPC lives out the message in the world. Welcome, Trisha. Lindsay Cheney, Lindsay and Brent. Uh, Brent grew up at PHPC. Lindsay is joining today, and we are delighted to welcome her. She's married to Brent, and they decided to start getting more involved at PHPC after the birth of their son. We welcome you. Lori Charles. Lori grew up at PHPC, and she and her husband, Mark, have a newborn. Lori is a photographer, and Mark works at Ryan LLC. Welcome. Hillary Townsend Gilmartin and Jason Gilmartin. Hillary is originally from Oklahoma. Jason spent much of his childhood in Hong Kong. They recently got married in Austin. Welcome. Virginia Mimic. Virginia grew up at PHPC, moved away for school, and is back with her husband, Ben. They have two sons who love Sunday school. Welcome. Uh, Trent Stevenson. Trent is from New Orleans and went to LSU. He is engaged to PHPC uh, Caroline Livingston, who is here standing with him. He is involved with the Young Adult Ministry and volunteers at the Stew Pot. Welcome to membership. Diane Stafford is joining in absentia. Diane is, uh, has been attending PHPC for the past four to five months. Diane uh, has two sons who are both in college. Diane is a lawyer and her parents also are members of PHPC. Austin and Cassandra Wright. Austin and Cass have been coming to PHPC for four years. They've been married for eight years and they have two children daughter Addie, who is standing here with them this morning, and their son Dawson, who is in childcare this morning. Um, and they, both of the, their children attend Parents Day Out. Welcome. We are glad to welcome you as well. So I think I speak on behalf of us all, whether you grew up here or not, and many of you <laughs> did, welcome home. We are a more complete family because you are here, and we give God great thanks for your presence among us. So we should turn to God and give God that thanks. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of this community of faith that has grown throughout the generations. We're thankful for the thousands of moments that have led each of our new members to this very place of membership through the many seasons of life, births and relationships and marriages and college. We're so grateful, oh God, for your presence, that divine thread that has run through their entire lives and led them here so that we can more fully be your people of faith. We pray that we will each be nourished and challenged as we seek to follow you. For we do pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Friends, let us welcome our new members. We will remain seated and sing together.
please let us stand and we will sing our closing hymn together, hymn number 722. Open all of your Gospels and you count, people ask Jesus 143 questions throughout the Gospels. And Jesus replies by asking 343 questions of them. Jesus answers them only eight times. They asked him, Lord, why are you eating with Levi and having supper with tax collectors? And Jesus said, sick are not in need of a doctor, or the healthy are not in need of a doctor, but the sick are. I have come not to save the righteous, but the sinner. For friends, when you are in need of help, and you receive that help that you can't provide for yourself, that is what grace is. So may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, 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 many ways. Amen. Amen.